Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello and welcome, everybody. We are honored to have you here and to be one of the top-rated shows about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships, especially in midlife. And today, I am honored to be speaking with relationship expert and author of The Good Divorce, Sonica Tinker, about how singles can really find true love and stop the whole dating madness. Um, I often see this, uh, the, the topic of today, it's called for singles who are sick of dating and getting nowhere. And Often I find, as a dating coach for women over 40, that women give up on online dating. They feel like dating doesn't work. They feel like you know they're, they're just attracting losers, liars, cheaters. And what they don't do enough of is take responsibility for what they're putting out there. So that's one of the things I work on as a dating coach, and it's something that I am sure we're going to be speaking about in today's episode um, my whole motto is that you start with being a woman of value, and the woman of value attracts a quality man. And in fact, I am getting ready to launch my second annual Woman of Value retreat. It's coming up in October. I'm going to be posting about it soon, just putting the final touches on the whole thing. So keep an eye open for the end of October for a two-and-a-half-day retreat in Stamford, Connecticut. It's about 45 minutes from New York City. It was life-changing last year, and I can't wait to do it again and take women through this incredible experience. So keep your eyes open for that. And every week I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value, and this week's tip is step number nine. That's in my 30 steps. And this step is about being proactive and not reactive. So this relates to your whole life, not just dating, but the more you can be proactive and plan in advance, have conversations before something gets out of control, before you react and get triggered, the more you can see how you can plan your life in that way, oh man, the stress just just rolls off you. It's It's amazing. So this is one of the things that I work on with women is is communication skills and dealing with triggers and and how to really stand up in your true power. So before I introduce our guest, Sonica Tinker, I just want to remind everybody to please join my private Facebook group if you're not already a member. It is called Your Last First Date, and it is a place for single women over 40 who want to get positive support not negative man bashing, but positive support where the conversation is is really supportive and juicy and positive and will help you along your journey to your last first date. And now for our special guest, Sonica Tinker. She is an MSW. She is a relationship expert, a mediator, an Enneagram teacher, an NLP professional. She's got a lot of certifications. She is the co-author of The Good Divorce and the founder of LoveWorks, which is a relationship training company. She has over 35 years of experience teaching thousands of singles and couples an innovative and uplifting approach to life and relationship 
that works. We love that. She produces and leads live transformational trainings and online courses with her husband, Christian Peterson, and has a private practice in Northern California. Join me now for episode number 270 for singles who are sick of dating and getting nowhere. Welcome to the show, Sonica. Thank you so much. Episode 270, you've been busy. (laughs) I have. I have, and boy, has it been life-changing for me to to be able to interview wonderful thought leaders like you who are making a difference in the world. So thank you for, for joining me here today. Well, thank you and for talking. having me and for being one yourself. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So let's talk about this whole cycle that singles are on and how many people might be actually killing love before it even gets started. Well, it's, um, I'll, I'll tell you, I have worked with so many singles, and one of the biggest things that I see um, singles do to kill off love is this, it really comes from this expectation that's really built up for singles to find their soulmate. And mm-hmm. that this idea that somehow they're going to experience an instantaneously blissful in love state, you know, that moment where their eyes meet and they just know it's the one. <laughs> And Uh (laughs) it's this hope that a lot of singles have when they go out on dates with a potential partner that also has their hopes get dashed, you know, pretty quickly when they don't have that experience. And not only are they the ones bringing that expectation, but so is their dating partner. And a lot of people who are single and dating will will be able to tell you about that experience they have where they feel written off really quickly. You know, it's like, oh, I don't feel it. I remember a friend of mine who was dating, uh, she had an online date perspective, perspective partner who said, you know, just let me see you. I will know within five seconds, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're the one or not. Yeah. And so it's very fascinating, this idea that people are going to fall quickly and live happily in love and that people are going to know really fast. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of studies will point to that 67% of people believe in love at first sight, whereas only 11 to 20% of people actually fall in love at first glance and later marry, which is a pretty small perspective. You know, per, that's, a, that's a pretty small number. So mm-hmm. most people you know, fall in love over time. A lot of couples will even say they didn't even like their partner the first time that they met them. So what I say is one of the fastest ways that people kill off love before it even gets started started is really with this expectation that somehow they're going to meet somebody, fall in love, they're going to know. And so they don't really allow love a chance. You know, they don't really give these people that they're meeting an opportunity for it to, for the relationship to build or grow into anything you know with that ex, with with that expectation that unrealistic i would say expectation yeah expectations are a killer and uh, it's so true the spark thing and yet just to be a little devil's advocate here um i think what happens is people feel well do i give everybody a chance so there have to be some markers, and I think that's where people get confused. You know, just, well, I'm really repulsed, so do I go on five dates? Because that's what one dating coach told me. So um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like how how do you 
gather the data that, that gives you the information about whether you should stay and give that person a chance? You know, it's a really great question. And um, the, the thing I always say is, there's, first of all, there's no rules. So I would never tell anybody you have to date everybody. You know, I know there's another dating coach out there that says you have to go out on, you know, with the same person at least twice before you write them off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll say that this idea that people are going to fall in love fast, and there's a couple of other pieces I could bring out as well here as we go on further in the conversation. But I always say the most important thing is, are you willing to see this person again? Like, really, that's all you have to know, is does it feel good enough? It doesn't have to be all the way over to 100%, you know, but does it feel good enough for you to want to see this person again? If you're repulsed, certainly, you know, pay attention to that. But if it's just mildly, you know, like judgmental or put, you know, you're feeling mildly put off, you might want to give that person another opportunity because nobody shows all of themselves in one date. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's no way I can show all of myself in, you know, in one encounter with anyone either. Right. You know, so, so yeah, so that piece. I mean, it leads to another thing that I see that a lot of people do in relationships. So is, you know, you're looking for a partner, you're looking for a husband, you're looking for a wife. And I always say, don't look for a husband, don't look for a wife, look for somebody you want to see again next, you, you want to see again one more time. Because you're uh-huh. not going to be meeting your husband or your wife. They aren't that yet. They have to, whoever is going to be that person has to develop into it together with you over time. Yeah, So you're not going to sure. find them. Yeah, and I, we just had a post recently in my group where somebody said, I went on 12 dates in two months, and I'm, I, I want to quit dating. It's just so disappointing. And... The the what was interesting was the the responses were went were everything from you had a date, <laughs> you know, you, at least you had a date. I have no dates, to, you know, these men were all asking her out a second time. So she obviously is attracting men who are interested in her, and she's writing them all off on a first date, and you know, she's also giving up on dating after two months. So these are all based on expectations, on quick judgments, on you know having having the wrong approach or an ineffective approach to dating. Well, it, it kind of it brings to another it brings me to another point here, which is that you know when people go out on dates, I love this little piece that you kind of started off with. Instead of being reactive, being proactive, mm. because I think a lot of people go out on dates very much in kind of a reactive stance. Like I'm going to show up and I'm, going to, I'm just going to see who shows up. I'm mm-hmm. going to see what, what happens. And so I kind of show up like a passive observer, and which throws me. So I'm just going to use I, I statements as a way of describing this, right? So if I go out on a date in that, in that way, I'm, I'm basically – in reaction. I'm setting myself up to be in reaction to what shows up. And instead of going out, I would say, you you say proactive, which I love that word, I would say proactively creating. What Mm -hmm. do I want to create on this dating experience so that I leave feeling absolutely thrilled about having had that experience no matter who that person is, 
no matter where I want, whether I want to see them again or not, how do I go in creating a positive experience? What can I go in with an intention to create? So I want to have intimacy. So what intimate questions could I ask? I want to be in my power. What are, you know, I'm going to take on a little challenge here for myself to go in and make two requests. You know, I'm gonna, I want to be transparent and honest, so I'm going to take on a little goal for myself to be transparent about what I'm feeling in the moment. I want to focus in on being more appreciative rather than judgmental, so I'm going to find three things to appreciate about that person. I'm going to make sure I speak those. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, you could, like those are just all different examples, but really to go in with this intention to create a positive experience where I'm, I'm empowered, I'm expanded, this other person feels empowered and expanded and appreciated. We create the best time possible, even if I never want to see that person again. So that mm-hmm. I walk so that, away with, wow, that was a success. Yep. That's such a key thing that you just said. Well, all of it. But <laughs> the last part of even if you never want to see that person again, there is no lost opportunity. And I think that when you approach dating in this way, where you're actually taking responsibility for the role that you create and for what you're going to give in order to have a different outcome, dating changes. Um, I created a program with my friend Bobby Palmer. Do you know Bobby? I don't know. No. She's she's a dating coach for women over 40 also, and we created a program called Ace to Date, and it was all about how to succeed at dating, and especially the first date. And it's about preparing, like you would prepare for a job interview. You prepare your stories that you're going to share. You prepare how you want to bring the best of yourself. You prepare the answers to very difficult questions. Or, or questions that are really annoying, like, you know, why are you still single? And how's online dating going for you? And how come you never got married? Um, instead of being a deer in the headlights, prepare an answer that works for you so you are empowered, so that you give only that little bit of information that's what I call the PR version of your life, because that's all anybody wants to hear anyway or needs to hear at this point. But it's it's about making that, positive experience where you're memorable and he becomes more memorable and you make more of a man-to-woman connection because what we often do is we connect like colleagues. Um, So can you expand on that part a little bit? Like how would you advise people to make more of a romantic man-to-woman connection than a let me share my job um, with you kind of connection? Well, that's, I, I love this idea about preparing, and I would say, you know, it's as much thinking, like kind of playing backwards, okay, what's the experience I want to have on this date? So I want to feel intimate, I want to feel relaxed, I want to feel free to be myself, I want to bring curiosity rather than judgment, I want to, you know, I like some of the other examples, right, I want to make sure I'm in my power, I want to make sure I don't have sex on the first date. That when people when when people can kind of think ahead of time about what it is they want to create the experience that they're after, and then they go in with the intention to create that experience by being it, not expecting the other person to provide it. And what is so great about that is it's basically the same skill they're going to need when they're in relationship. 
because, mm-hmm. you know, after we're in a relationship, we still need to create a great relationship day after day after day after day with the same person. It's not like, you know, long-term relationships don't work either when I just sit back and wait for you to do it all for me, you know, and provide mm-hmm. it all. Right. I'm going to react. And so it's it's the same skill that's required for, you know, a long-term dating relationship or a long-term marriage is really how do I bring to the party what it is I'm wanting to cultivate? And also, how do I want to be left after a date? I want to be left feeling like I'm a good person, like I'm doing my best. I want to feel appreciated for who I am and for what I what I bring and for, you know, for what I've accomplished in my life. So how can I leave the other person in that kind of a good feeling place as well. Like what could I do to provide that same experience for the person who's showing up? You know, so I've had people that I've coached who go out on dates with, you know, people who are like a mess and in tears and totally depressed and depleted. And, you know, they're not somebody that they would like to see again or develop a relationship with. But, wow, had they left that person feeling you know, left them feeling better than how they showed up. Mm-hmm. My daughter was just sharing, uh, she wrote this beautiful piece about her her um, teacher. She had a Waldorf, same Waldorf teacher for eight years, and one of his uh, tenants, life tenants, was whenever they went anyplace, they left it better than when they arrived. And I just think mm. that's kind of a great, great great place for all of us to move in our relationships like how do i leave you better than you know than you were when i arrived how can i contribute and make a difference for you so that i leave Mm -hmm. you really good about myself regardless of you know where we go from here yeah it's a beautiful way to look at it so so here's something that's coming up for me when people do that um often there's a there's sort of this need for a lot of women to kind of teach or guide a man <laughs> in basically telling him he's wrong. Um, you know, so I, I just read this post about somebody who was interested in a man and and they have parenting differences. Now, they haven't gone out yet, but she's seen him at meetups and she already sees that he's way too lax in his parenting and she's and he lets his kids come into his bed whenever so she's already doesn't have a lot of respect for him they haven't even dated <laughs> she's already um writing him off because of his lax parenting um so what she said to him was you know it's really good for you to set some rules and to um you know to make your kids understand that your that your bed is off limits and and i can just imagine a man thinking who are you to tell me what to do with my kids? I don't even know you. So she thinks she's leaving him in a better place. So if you can differentiate between the <laughs> let me fix you and <laughs> and let me leave you in a better place, that would be that would be good. Yeah, great. Well, so there's there's a distinction between appreciating what is there <laughs> and um f- focusing in on what is missing and what is absent. And, you know, in life, and especially when we're in dating, well, actually, I see it all the time with, you know, I coach couples as well. Like, couples do it all the time. Most of us get what I call get stuck in complaint. 
you know, we are really great in this world at seeing what is possible, and especially as women when we're, you know, we can be, uh, we can notice the minutia and the specifics in a way sometimes other people can't. And so it's really easy for us to look at, you know, people in the world, our children, parents, our spouses, <laughs> you know, men uh-huh. that we're dating, and see all of the places where they are falling short. And to want to fix it, to change it. And when we come in with wanting to fix it and change it, all the other person hears is, I'm not okay the way I am. That is all they hear. They don't necessarily Uh hear a contribution. (laughs) So when I talk about leaving somebody less better, I'm not talking about trying to fix or change anyone as much as it is really finding some gem in there to appreciate and being able to express appreciation. You know, there's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing as well. You know, love and judgment are, you know, they're they're opposites. So when I'm in judgment, I'm not in love. Love Mm -hmm. is granting space to someone to exist just as they are. And so when I am busy judging you, I am filling up all of the space with judgment, and there's now no place for love. There's no place for even understanding or compassion. Like, what is it that has you have the kids in the bed? It could be some really sweet, positive, wonderful thing that once you Mm -hmm. get to know that person and where they came from, it can make total sense. The same for this woman who says, oh, that's not appropriate. You need to have lines. There's, you know, there's in in the space of being curious and asking questions to find out why is that important to that person. And, again, uh-huh. those are skills that are required for a long-term relationship because when we're with somebody for a long time, they are going to be doing stuff different than us. <laughs> and we have to be able to yeah. slow it down and understand each other and have compassion and be able to work out win-wins, not just say, you know, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, and I don't think that they realize that when they're doing it. They think they're contributing, and they don't see that it's criticism and that it's not accepting them for who they are. I think that's a, a really big issue, um, and I know I've done it too. And recently, I, I was dating somebody who we were on our third date, and he was telling me how important it was for him to have a Jewish partner, and he wasn't particularly observant at all. So I, I was really curious, like, what does that mean to you? What what is important about that to you? And his answers were really, to me, all about universalist ideals and not particularly Jewish ideals. And so I was really asking him, like, what would be wrong with dating somebody who wasn't Jewish who had the same ideals as you? Because it seems that in practice it's only happening on the high holidays and a Passover Seder, but the rest of the year these are these are ideas about forgiveness and, um, you know, and, and living it with compassion and kindness. And that's really not particularly Jewish. It's to me. Um, and I said, look, it's something I struggle with, you know, and it's certainly dating later in life. You've got to really, I think, look at all the ways that you've said, this this doesn't work for me, this doesn't work for me, and and see what really is the kind of connection you need. And are you keeping yourself single because you're keeping your parameters too small? Um, it's just, you know, I was curious, and I think he, he felt a little like I was interrogating him, but I, I'm, you know, I, I like to know the answers. So I don't know how you would approach a situation like that. 
Well, I think uh, it's beautiful, actually, you're asking that question and exploring it more. And, you know, the thing that you're bumping up against, which a lot of single people bump up against, is that, especially for those of us who are older and dating, is we have well-formed preferences and, you know, of what it is we want. And it's also really exacerbated in the, in our, you know, commercial culture where we are really clear about what the specs are when that we want when we go to buy a product and we're kind of take that same Amazon style sort of dating into our into our our Amazon style product purchasing we bring that same mindset in with us to our dating and when you you know, I, I I always say with my husband, you know, when we when we first met, he was 15 years younger than me. So I was 47. He was 32. He lived wow. in Denmark. I lived in California. I had two <laughs> children. I had, you know, I had a well-established career and a home, rental properties. He didn't even have a job, had no savings whatsoever. <laughs> and so, you know, when you looked just at form, it was like, you know, we were quite an unlikely match. And I know a lot of a lot of um, single women will say, well, I only want to be with a man who has a steady job. I want to be with a man who has a house or is financially stable. I want to be with a man who, you know, is older and is healthier. And, you know, they have all of these specifics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christian, so one of the things that um, I always say is that Often our our pictures of what it is we want, the only reason we want it is because we imagine we're going to have a certain experience when we have all of those things met. But the truth is, and what you're kind of pointing to in this Jewish conversation, is that this man could have the experience he's after with somebody who isn't Jewish. Mm-hmm. And when we get wedded to that idea... And now all of a sudden you're written off because you're not Jewish when you might have made a really great, perfect, incredible partner for him. And mm-hmm. same for Christian and I. I mean, we've been married 12 years. It's been um, actually married 10 together for almost 13. And we are the most amazing match. And it was actually because he didn't have a job and he had no finances and he had no children and had never had a long-term, longer-term relationship beyond three years, I think. You know, like all of it made it possible, actually, for him to move to California, for us to mm. set up a business together, for him to become father to my children. Like wow. that was available because he didn't have a job and because he didn't have, you know, he didn't match all of those pictures. Yeah, so it's a great sometimes story. I think, sometimes I think... Spirit has a better idea sometimes of who would be a, a good match for us than we do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, that whole thing about being attached to the list of of all those requirements. Actually, the guy who I was dating also said, I don't date real estate brokers or lawyers. And I said, why? And he said, well, real estate brokers tend to be pushy. And uh, lawyers, you know, he had a bad experience with his divorce lawyer or something. I was just like, wow, you're just like writing off whole groups of people based on some experiences you had in the past. How's that working for you? <laughs> I mean, like just really, I mean, I, I, and this is one of the first things I deal with with clients when they come to me is look at that list. You know, for some, it's he has to own a home. 
You know, that's a really important thing. He has to own a home because it represents, like you said, something that you think you're going to get because of it. And I married for all those reasons. I married somebody who I thought ticked off all the little check marks of providing a safe home for me, and and we had similar ideals that we were going to raise our children by. And everything changed within about a year. We had a sick child that was born, and my husband's approach to crisis was completely different from mine, and we just separated into two separate paths. And the way we raised our children was so different. Everything was different than I thought. So, you know, I know that when you check check your list and you think that that's what you need, it's it's often not. And also you can kind of hear even in what you're saying, like there's this, this inside of our list is a desire to avoid unpleasant experience. And even in the desire to avoid unpleasant experience is uh, there's, there's, Victim is kind of too strong a word, maybe, but there's this powerless mentality, like something's going to happen I can't handle or I don't mm-hmm. want. So I have, to, I have to go in making sure none of that is going to happen. Right. And the truth is none of us can ever make sure nothing bad is ever going to happen, as evidenced by all these fires and floods that are going on right now. Right, Uh like life is unpredictable, life is uncertain, right? You have, you know, a sick child. You know, there's Uh all kinds of things that can happen. I remember I was coaching this one woman who met this guy. The two of them were madly in love with each other. She just loved this guy so much, and she had broken it off with him after three months. And what she said, because, one, he hadn't invited her to his family for Christmas, Um. Two, he was a little overweight and unhealthy, and she didn't want to be pushing him around in a wheelchair, you know, Mm -hmm. when they were older. And so she had split up with him. And so in the course of the conversation, I was like, you know, well, well, one, it can take time for people to line up with, you know, merging lives and, you know, in relationship. Like sometimes it takes people more than three months to be willing to totally merge with a family and I mean, it took Chris and I two years for us to, you know, out of a long, after, you know, doing a long distance relationship before he was ready to come move here. That just couldn't yeah. happen any faster than it happened. And then I said, you know, and truthfully, if you're in love and your partner is in a wheelchair, you're going to have so much fun pushing that guy around in a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's possible. Like, really, inside yeah. of it, the message is it's possible for us to create. Happy, joyous, lovely, wonderful connections and relationships inside multiple scenarios. So yeah. she actually no, ended that's... up getting back together with him because she was like, oh, she good. realized <laughs> that she sort of made a little mistake there in, you know, putting form over her experience. Mm-hmm. And that's I've heard a, that a, that's a great time. example. I've heard that a lot of times where people say, oh, my God, he's every... In fact, Christian used to say to people, you know, how will I know when it's the one? He said, I used to tell people, I'll know when it's the one when it feels like it does with Sonica, but it's the one. Mm. Because I didn't match his picture either, right? 47-year-old woman from California with two children, like, you know, he was looking (laughs) for the one, and I wasn't it. 
accept that. It, well, I tell I tell clients all the time that that love comes in a surprise package. Like they they have this whole idea, but they're not open to the surprise. You know, they're not open to what may be um, because they're trying to control all the circumstances. So yes. that's that's a really important tip to remember. Um, your love story is is a perfect example of that. Um, if you could share, I know we're really at time, but I would love for you to share one thing singles can do today, one small step to begin to shift their mindset into a more effective, open, positive dating mindset. Well, one thing, and it's kind of coming out actually in this conversation, is one, trust that you are a powerful woman, man, and that you can absolutely make good on anything that shows up. Like you don't have to be so protective at the get-go, right? Like trust that you're going to be able to deal with whatever shows up. And in when you take in that kind of powerful trust about yourself, then to be able to add that to this piece about being creative, like go in to every interaction and create a positive experience. One of the things I always say is don't try to find the one, just go practice being in a relationship. Every place you go, practice being in a relationship, practice initiating conversation, practice asking for what you want, practice being intimate and vulnerable, practice saying what you want, practice negotiating win-wins, just practice, practice, practice. And as you set it up to just be a practice session, like it's not the one, and then there's less at stake, there's more freedom, and in that place of more freedom to express and experience and practice, you're going to be more yourself, and you're, if you know, when you do attract a mate, you're going to do it from a really great place, because now you're being in your power, you're being in your joy, and you're being in the moment. And you just keep going for the openings, going for the ones that show up, keep practicing, and trust you're going to be able to deal with anything and everything that shows up. Mm. Great advice. Well, I love the, this whole focus of this conversation. It's It's been really wonderful having you here. And, and just if if people can really take this in, this is so key to, to dating success and to finding love and to keeping love because it's it's a process and practice practice practice. <laughs> so Sonica, do you um, want to let people know how to find you? Yes, yeah, so you can find me at loveworksforyou.com. And actually, I've got a special gift for people who are listening. It's a, a it's a series of emails actually called Single No More where we address some of the stuff on this call as well as a bunch of stuff we didn't get to. So loveworksforyou.com slash single dash no dash more. Loveworksforyou.com slash single dash no dash more. And, um, yeah, we can send that off to them. And I also do workshops that are very interactive. And I will just say, you know, one of our workshops, Give Yourself to Love, is really great for singles to be able to practice being in a relationship. I mean, really, they just practice over and over and over again. And we've had a lot of singles who have been pretty shut down and reserved, you know, because they get to practice being with other over and over and over and over and over again. They they mm. get them put themselves in a relationship mindset. 
So, Love yeah, it. thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate getting to have this conversation and share with you and with other people who might be listening and you know love is there's an abundance of positive love experiences out there and we can totally Mm. create them (laughs) yes amen to that thank you sonica and thank you to everyone who's listening in today and i hope you all go on your last first date very soon have a great day Mm -hmm.